On this episode of the Hockey Docs Podcast, we talk about our brand new documentary series, Memorial Cup Memories. We went on a cross-Canada adventure to talk to more than 100 people that had won the Memorial Cup, and we completely abused budget car rentals' unlimited mileage policy. to our second episode of our podcast for Hockey Dogs. I'm Angela Bell, and I'm here again with my husband, Aaron Bell. And this week, we're going to talk a lot about the Memorial Cup. We've got a new series coming up on Hockey Dogs called Memorial Cup Memories, and we're going to talk about all kinds of different teams that have won the Memorial Cup over the years. So those of you that don't know, the Memorial Cup is the national Canadian National Junior Championship trophy. So the Canadian Hockey League every year competes for that. The top team is from the Ontario Hockey League, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Western Hockey League. And it's been competed for, for this year will be 101 years. And uh, for 2018, we started to do a special project with the Canadian Hockey League about the uh, about the Memorial Cup. Yes, we actually uh, went coast to coast interviewing 100 people that have won the Memorial Cup. So that was, that was quite an adventure that we had. We started going out west first. So we actually flew to Winnipeg and rented a car and made our way through the West Coast for 7,000 kilometers in this car and uh, had some interesting stops along the way. I met some fantastic people and heard some great stories. Uh, so we were building a, a series for the Canadian Hockey League, a series of little two-minute stories that they used to help promote the 100th anniversary of the Memorial Cup in 2018, and it was uh, in Regina, and uh, which we made our way through Regina twice on that trip. And so we ended up having a lot of extra material from that. So each of those stories was about two minutes, and we'd interview maybe three or four or five players from each of those different teams. So, of course, we got super chatty with them. I got super chatty with them. Uh, <laughs> had surprise. lots of questions that we wanted to know. You know, how did that team come together or you know, what was special about that team that helped them win. And so now what we've done is we've taken some of those stories and expanded on them a little bit. And they definitely needed to be expanded on because the two minute episodes were great. And it gave a quick little overview about that team. You got to see, you know, the stars of that team sort of thing. But really, there's some really fantastic stories and some stories that maybe you don't know. Yeah. So and it was, kind of, it was kind of cool to see just or to hear a little bit about how um, how these teams came together to win championships. So you're talking about a group of 18, 19, 20 year olds. And every year when you see the winning team, you think, well, OK, you know, they had the best players. But that's not always the case. Like we saw there's lots of the best players in the world that have never won the Memorial Cup. Wayne Gretzky didn't win it. Bobby Orr didn't win it. Sidney Crosby didn't win no, it. No, Connor McDavid didn't win yeah. it. So you have all of these great players that never won the Memorial Cup. And, you know, it's a lot of circumstance. Did you have a great team and, and did they come together and, and how did they come together? And that was, I think, the most interesting thing that we found out while we were on that trip. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of uh, scouting and coaching staff that could really um, work with these young folks to these young players to get them to work as a team together and to play for one another. So that's kind of a difficult thing to do, especially with that age group. But that was that was a big part of it was the coaching and how the coach dealt with each each individual player and how they came together as a team. And sometimes there was the unsung heroes of 
you know, the team that scored the winning goal or, you know, just came into his own at that point in time when you needed that player the most and they just they just shone. Right. And it was it was great. And it's it's fantastic for their career as well, because that's the end of their junior career. Right. So to go out with a Memorial Cup is is pretty awesome. And it's a difficult, difficult trophy to win. Yeah, you got a short window to win it, right? Most junior players play maybe three or four years and you've got to have just that right combination of of those players coming together. So you need, you know, a, a group of kids coming in at 16 or 17 years old and then they grow together and they get better together. And a lot of great players, as I said, that have never won the Memorial Cup, great, you know, have had great careers and gone on to great careers in the NHL. But we're doing a series of six stories for this first season of the Memorial Cup Memories. Uh, two of them that we filmed while we were out west was uh, the, uh, the Swift Current Broncos story from uh, 1989. And then the two years before that, 1987 and 1988, the Medicine Hat Tigers won back-to-back uh, Memorial Cup championships. So one of the guys that we really wanted to talk to is Dean Chanel. And Dean was the captain of the 88 team, and he was a pretty tough guy, you know, a good player. Went on to have a pretty good uh, professional career, and he was a high pick, I believe, the New York Islanders, and, you know, had a good career. But one of the things that was very interesting to me with Dean is, of course, his father, Ed Chanel, was the commissioner of the Western Hockey League, was the president of the Canadian Hockey League. And I kind of had it in my mind that Ed had actually presented the Memorial Cup to Dean. And uh, Dean corrected me. There's a picture of them together with it that we used in that in that episode, and you'll see in this uh, in this series as well. But uh, at the time, the Canadian Hockey or Canadian Amateur Hockey Association president, uh, I think it was Murray Costello at the time, uh, pre- used to present the Memorial Cup, so he didn't do that. But he said that was a, a misconception on a lot of people's parts, though. Yeah. I think because of that picture was out. Yeah. In, in the in the news, the two of them with yeah. it. Yeah. Just that history. Uh, obviously, he has a, a a huge name in the Western hockey league in particular in the canadian hockey league and the things that ed meant to that and when i first started working with the canadian hockey league um, uh, ed chenoweth was there and uh you know just a great mentor a great guy that really did so much for the junior hockey game and um you know david branch has followed him as the as the longtime president of the canadian hockey league and and of the ontario hockey league obviously and you know uh, i think the things that ed did really set up the whole league for success and then Dave's been able to kind of carry that on but one of the cool things with Dean when uh, when we reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in talking he was like yeah absolutely uh, the only problem is I'm going to be at my cottage in uh, <laughs> in, uh, in Montana. Montana any chance you could come there so we kind of looked at the map and we'd picked out this this trip and basically it's just south of Lethbridge Alberta and we were stopping there to, to talk to some guys for some things as well so we thought well and we're heading to Spokane so could we kind of make a loop down through there it so, was a beautiful drive well, too wasn't yeah. it amazing yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd never been to Montana before no, and either. you know just such a beautiful piece of the United States and just of North America like what a great uh, great place so we got a chance to go down and kind of spend some time on the lake there yeah it was beautiful too they were right on uh, Lake Blaine there there's a bunch of them from that team that actually all live along there so it's pretty cool how close they've remained and some of the you know inside jokes that we didn't understand but you know that Dean was was saying about his teammates that that live beside him and that sort of thing and just funny stuff but very very welcoming such a nice guy's daughter had made us cookies and you know to welcome us when we got there so which was really sweet. Ryan McGill who was the coach of the Owen Sound Attack and I had uh, just taking some photos of Ryan uh, as the CHL Coach of the Year about a month earlier in Windsor. 
Yeah. So after we were done interviewing Dean, he yells to the neighbor next door. He's like, hey, Gilly, get your shirt on and get over here. And it was uh, Ryan McGill was his uh, next door neighbor. Yeah. They were, of course, teammates on that team. And then uh, Ryan had, had got to the Memorial Cup with the Kootenai Ice later with Ed Schnauth as the owner of that team. And so just kind of a neat thing to see that bond that they still had. And that, yeah. uh, you know, that, that was really pretty, uh, pretty cool to see. And a couple of great guys that we got to spend a little bit of time with. And speaking of that bond, there was... All the guys from those winning teams, they all still stay in touch with each other. And that kind of that that winning that trophy has really bred in them such a closeness that they still stay in touch and they still text. And no matter where they are, some of them are in the NHL. Some of them are, you know, at their cottage in Lake Blaine and some of them are maybe in. Europe, right? And they still talk to each other all the time because that that bond is there and it's so deep. Yeah, and it seems to be especially from junior, right? Cuz they're kind of the same age and they grew up together. They went mm. be, from being 16 or 17 years old to 19, 20-year-old men and then kind of on to play pro hockey or or just whatever their career was, university or whatever they decided to do. It was kind of an interesting thing I thought as well just to sort of get to know a little bit about that how they won. And it was Amazing to me how so many of the stories that we talked to people from the 60s and 70s, 80s, 90s, right up to, you know, just a few years ago, and they all kind of had the same answer when we said, what made that team great? And it was almost always the same two things that we heard a lot. One was that everyone knew the role that they needed to play. And they accepted it and they just did it. They went out and did it. It didn't matter if they thought they should be a scorer or if they thought they should be on the power play, but they just accepted their role and and excelled at it. And then the second part that I noticed was that the teams were really tight. They were really close. So sometimes you'll see in junior hockey where the older guys and the younger guys or there might be a bit of of um, different cliques and that kind of thing. But it seemed like almost every one of these teams, there wasn't that. They were all close together and they you could see that that's ended up being the results. Yeah, that's definitely what made them winners because there wasn't that that click there or that, you know, I, I think the one one story that we're doing they're talking about you know there there wasn't any of those clicks and they weren't worried about well who's going to be drafted and who's going there and who's going here they were just out to play because they really were having so much fun playing the sport that they have loved since such a young age right and they were playing for each other they they were playing just as much for the guy next to them as they were for themselves and that that really speaks volumes yeah and we got to kind of hear so many of those great stories from there from Kalispell, Montana, we went across to Spokane, Washington, and one of my favorite interviews in this whole project was Pat Falloon, and we had a bit bit of trouble kind of tracking him down. A lot of his teammates, people weren't really sure where he was. He wasn't really in the hockey world anymore, and when we were in Winnipeg, or before we got to Winnipeg, we were able to track him down, and, and he met us there. Uh, he's he's farming in uh, in Manitoba, just uh, near Winnipeg, not too far away, and he said, yeah, I'd love to come and, and hang out and have a conversation about that, and just had a really neat conversation with him about kind of that era and him and Ray Whitney combined as like one of the best duos in junior hockey history and it was kind of interesting that the San Jose Sharks had had got both of them they got Pat Falloon in the first round and and Ray Whitney in the second round in the same year and they were just magic together and it was really kind of a neat thing to kind of 
hear a bit more about that story. And we talked to some of their teammates. Uh, Trevor Kidd was one of them. And, and he said, you know, just being able to kind of play behind them and watch them was just a, such a special thing. And one of the things that we saw during that trip was how many people had great careers as juniors and just really look back at that time in a really special way and, and really, you know, have great memories of that. And I think that's really cool. So this series is going to kind of catch up with some of those people and sort of remind people of the great story of, of how they won and, and uh, you know, how they did it and why and what, you know, what it meant to them. I know uh, when we reached out to the players too, like none of them said no, they all wanted to talk about it. And for them, it was a chance to relive that time again. And most of them said, you know, thanks for this interview. Like it really meant a lot. I was able to relive those memories again. And, you know, it was, it was nice. Another very emotional part for us. We got a chance to go to, uh, to Swift Current, Saskatchewan and, um, talk about that 1989 team that won, uh, won the Memorial Cup and, you know, very small, didn't realize how small Swift Current was until we were mm-hmm. there and think, wow, the national championship team came out of this, uh, this cool little community. And, and they had just earlier that year dead dedicated a memorial to the four Swift Current Broncos players that had passed away in that uh, horrible bus accident that happened the year before that. And it, you know, it was very emotional to get a chance to, to see that and, and also to talk to the Kruger brothers. So mm-hmm. they were, uh, they were part of the Memorial Cup championship team and their older brother was one of the, the four guys that uh, lost their lives in that, that bus accident. But just that opportunity to kind of see that history, obviously working in the league and being a fan of junior hockey, I'd, I'd known about it, but to kind of be there and, and feel the sort of the impact and the weight of that and how even now in that community, that's still, you know, something that people, people very much remember those four guys and for the Broncos to be able to win the Memorial Cup and bring that championship back to their community I think was such a special thing and it was kind of neat to get a chance to see. Yeah it was it was really emotional especially when they talked about you know winning and reflecting back on those guys that weren't there they were the four-leaf clover on their on their shoulders so they said that they always had those guys with them so it was sad. One of the cool things about uh, about doing this series, we got a chance to talk to some stars. We got a chance to talk to a lot of guys that went on to become coaches in the NHL, which was sort of interesting. Two guys that we caught up with in Toronto that played together in the 1975 Toronto Marlies team, Mark Napier and Bruce Boudreau. Um, they were a real uh, scoring machine, that team that year, and, uh, and their Memorial Cup. And kind of a funny story that came out of that. And it's one of those junior hockey lore kind of stories or the urban legends. And then to hear it from them, and yeah, no, it really did happen that way. It was uh, was pretty interesting. So here you go. Mark Napier and Bruce Boudreaux were a lethal scoring combination when they played junior hockey together with the Toronto Marlboros in the 1970s. But one of their most memorable goals may not have even crossed the line. Napier and Boudreaux were line mates with the Marlies in 1975 and were among the top scoring lines in junior hockey history. Toronto Maple Leafs legend George Armstrong was behind the bench and had built his squad into a powerhouse. The Marlies played to big crowds at Maple Leaf Gardens on Sunday afternoons and were the talk of the town after the Leafs bowed out in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Marlies were still playing and giving their fans their money's worth. This is Bruce Boudreaux. He was the captain of the team and led the league in scoring with 68 goals and 165 points in 69 games. We used to get as much print as the Leafs when we were 
in the in the in the papers. And on Sunday's uh, edition, it was all about the Leafs playing Saturday night. On Monday's edition, it was all about the Marlies playing Sunday. So it, it was uh, it was it was a really big deal. And with, on every Sunday, we put over ten thousand people in the gardens, which was again another uh, pretty big deal. The Marlies easily claimed the regular season title with forty eight wins, but stumbled into the playoffs. They were pushed to the brink of elimination in the first two rounds of the playoffs. We had enough adversity in 75. We played the eighth place team in Kingston and we took them to eight games. We had to win in Kingston. Uh, we went to Sudbury, or they came to us, and uh, we played them and went to eight games, and John Anderson had to score in overtime in the eighth game to win it. Then we played Hamilton and we beat them in seven games. So adversity wasn't the problem. We were just a bunch of kids. We took everything so lightly. Mark Napier also had a tremendous season, scoring 66 goals and 130 points in just 61 games on Boudreaux's right side. Napier was at his best against Kingston with 12 goals in the series, including an early goal in Game 8 that he remembers may not even have been a goal at all. Boudreaux and I had a thing that anything that was close to the net near the the goal line, we were going to put our sticks in the air as as it was like a goal. So... I took a backhand. The ref was actually behind me. There was only one referee at the time. I don't know if the puck went in. I, I think it hit the post and came back out, came back under the goalie. Both of us put our sticks up in the air like it had gone in the net. And the guy put the red light on because he made a guitar reaction. And the referee, I know he never saw it. So he, he signaled a goal. Kingston goalie Mark Freeman argued with the referee, but to no avail. The goal stood and the Marlies went on to win that wild final game of the series 9-7. to They went on to win the OHA Championship and then the Memorial Cup. But that wasn't the last that Napier heard about his non-goal. I went back to Kingston about for a charity hockey game, maybe 25 years after it, and the people were still going, that was not a goal, there's no way that was. So that was, that was really funny to see that. Sometimes a goal is not a goal, but that's okay, it counted. And uh, even all these years later, there's still, I think, some fans a little bit upset about that. So we're going to talk a little bit about more of some of the other players that we uh, we talked to in Eastern Canada and in Ontario uh, next, on the next episode. But one of the things that really stuck out to me when we were in Western Canada was just the vastness of it. As you said, we picked up a rental car in Winnipeg and we drove a 7,000 kilometer loop back it, around to Winnipeg again. It needed an oil change when we took it back. Yeah. And fortunately, we had unlimited kilometers on that uh, that car rental. We needed them. And yeah. We used them all. Yes, we sure did. The one thing that struck me, though, was when we were driving through there, I'm like, all these teams like play each other. And you're yeah. like, yeah, like. I'm never going to complain about driving an hour for hockey for my boys because they drove hours and hours to get to their next, to get to their hockey game. It was absolutely crazy. Oh, and the the bus trips in the Western Hockey League are legendary. You heard some teams go on like 21 day road, road trips and things like that. And to actually see it and experience it was something else. And, and we had the good fortune of doing it in the summertime. The weather was beautiful and sunny skies. And we have lots of places where it said, hey, you're going to need road chains here, or tire chains yeah. and things like that. Yeah, you can't go up this hill unless you have those. And I know talking to people that have traveled out there in the wintertime, they would actually have somebody standing at the bottom of the hill with chains that you could 
purchase off of this person <laughs> and they would put them on your tires and you'd drive up the hill and there'd be somebody else at the top to take them off like what a job that would be but they probably made a killing but <laughs> captive audience yeah for sure. but no yeah kidding. yeah just kind of seeing how that worked was uh, was something else and to me it was such an interesting project to be able to catch up with so many of these players as you mentioned 100 different people that won the memorial cup over the over the years and just to kind of hear some of those stories and so one thing we really wanted to do is maybe try to do those stories a little bit more justice and expand on them a little bit and make sure that uh, you know people got a chance to hear about some of these really great teams that did some pretty amazing things yeah a bunch of a good character of players that we have in them too like they're just really wholesome good good guys that we talked to really great really you know taught them a lot about life and how to move on in life and all of them went on to success Mm -hmm. whether it was in hockey or you you can kind of talk about that or you know in hockey or you know in their in other careers just wonderful people and because they have won a championship it has really set them up later in life whether they have gone on to be in the nhl or have a job somewhere doing you know construction or farming or whatever it might be it's really set them up to to do well yeah it seems like a lot of them a lot of guys too went into like firefighters or police or law like law enforcement or military that type of thing Mm. seemed to you know really really do that yeah and that really helps them out too and in those types of jobs because you need to be a team player and you need to know how to work through that adversity or that sort of thing and that's what they face every day on the job right Mm. so yeah so next week we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the teams that we talked to in Ontario and Quebec and kind of tell you a little bit more about some of those uh, those adventures, bringing those stories together and all of that coming together for Memorial Cup Memories series. So how can people get, how can people watch this series? Just by going to HockeyDocs.com, you can find the Memorial Cup stories on there. There'll be six of them that will be released starting in May. So uh, we look forward to you spending a little bit of time on our website and watching these great stories. Oh!